Quaker meeting in Portland, Oregon. <laughs> you can find more information about our community at westhillsfriends.org. As a Quaker community, we encourage everyone to share from their hearts. Especially as it pertains to God's leading in their lives. These words are shared into a community that values the opportunity to respond to dialogue about what is said. The responses and dialogue are not included in this recording. The views expressed in this content are solely those of the original contributor. And do not necessarily speak for the entire West Hills Friends community. Thank you for listening. Have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening. Have a wonderful day. If you've had a conversation with me over the last few years, chances are you have heard me share my love of the Black science fiction writer Octavia Butler. Octavia, who died in 2006, is as popular as ever, due in large part to her work being held up by young Black activists and organizers. Sadly, she passed before she could finish the third book in her parable series, but she left us with the two. She wrote these books in the 80s and yet had incredible prophetic imagination for a future world ravaged by complacency around global climate change. Into the voids of society created by an increasingly inhabitable world, power-hungry and charismatic leaders step in. We are carried through this world through the eyes of a 15-year-old Black teenager named Lauren Olamina. At the start of the story, we are with Lauren behind the high and protected walls of a compound, guarding her from the dangers of a post-apocalyptic world outside them. Lauren is the daughter of a pastor who risks his life to travel to his Baptist congregation outside the walls. Just a few chapters into the book, the compound is seized by outsiders and she flees into the dangerous and unpredictable country to fend for herself. Each moment in young Lauren's life is steeped in chaos and uncertainty. It is in this context that young Lauren begins to make grand observations about the world in which she finds herself. In order to make sense of her situation, Lauren begins recording her wisdom into her own Bible of sorts that she calls Earth Seed. We get to read passages from this work throughout the series. The central message of Earth Seed is this jarring declaration. God is change. For the 15-year-old Lauren, the most constant thing in her life was change. I remember when my Christian eyes first took those three words in. They jumped off the page. Obviously, Octavia Butler was borrowing from the Christian understanding that God is love. I had to put the book down and take in that suggestion, God is change. Both revelations, God being, as in God is a thing like love or change, is a bit hard to take in if I'm honest. I experience love 
And so the things I know about love are the exact same things as God themselves. I know God better by experiencing and knowing love because God is love. But there was another reason that declaration jumped off the page to me. It felt uneasy for me and I couldn't quite put my finger on why. Then one night, I was sitting on the couch watching a football game on TV. The game broke away to a commercial break, and there was a wide shot of the evangelist Franklin Graham walking down a street towards the camera. I found the commercial online, and I'm going to play it for you now. Just give me a moment to prepare my screen for that. So there's a... A lot of change in this world. Here on 4th Avenue in Seattle, this street hasn't changed much. These are the Virginia apartments. They've been here about 100 years. But all around us, there is change. But one thing we can be sure of, that God doesn't change. The Bible says that He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God made you, He created you, He loves you, and He wants to give you hope. He wants to fill your life with joy and peace. And if you're not experiencing that, if your life is a mess upside down, you don't know where to go, what to do, you can invite Jesus Christ, God's Son, into your heart, into your life. If you've never prayed to receive Christ, pray this prayer. Just say, God, I've sinned. I'm sorry. Forgive me. I believe Jesus Christ is your Son. I want to trust Him as my Savior, and I want to follow Him as my Lord. If you prayed that prayer right now, would you call that number that's on the screen? We've got people that would like to pray with you. Do that right now. They'll talk with you, pray with you. My uneasiness was the voice of my evangelical past bubbling up inside me. To my formerly evangelical ears, God has changed sounded awfully heretical. I didn't do too much with that uneasiness at the time, but I was kind of forced to deal with that unsettled feeling a few weeks ago. As many of you know, I had a rough end to January. After fracturing one of the bones in my left big toe, a week later, I badly sprained my ankle on the same foot. The pain from the fracture in my toe had just subsided enough for me to walk without a limp, and I was feeling like my life was back on track. Then, as I carried a small bin of recycling outside, my entire body came crashing down to the ground, because of an out-of-place stone in the driveway. As my ankle gave way and I ended up on my butt outside, with the now scattered recycling blowing in the wind, I sat there and verbally berated myself. I said awful things to myself about being clumsy, careless, but also cursed my body for the ways it was messing up and derailing my whole freaking life. I sat there for a good 30 seconds doing that before I set aside my pride and yelled for my partner to come and help me up off the ground. I crawled up the steps to my bed where I assumed the familiar position on, on my back with my leg elevated by a stack of pillows, a routine I was now accustomed to. I put my arm over my eyes and just felt like bawling. Why was I so upset? Well, 
this new injury was going to set me back another week. It meant another trip for an x-ray, less than a week after my last one. It meant that my partner would be taking up all the duties for caring for our family. It meant I would, be, I would need to be the needy one, that I wouldn't be able to contribute. The long and short of it, this injury was not in my plans. This was a change I was not ready or willing to receive. I got real mad about my change of plans. And gosh darn it, wouldn't you know it, there came Franklin Graham strolling down the Seattle street in my mind, trying to comfort me with the affirmation that God never changes. And then Lauren, surviving in the apocalypse, came to me. God is change. I've been wrestling with the competing narratives in the Bible about God and change. As Franklin Graham reminds us, the Bible does say that God never changes. But we also have biblical stories telling us that God has changed their mind. I can see why an unchanging God is an important pillar for evangelical Christianity. That pillar is essential to holding up the infallibility of the Bible and the morality that is formed from it. A God who changes their mind is one that can be manipulated. Evangelical Christianity is built on an unwavering foundation, one in which you can stand firmly. What has really come into focus for me the last few weeks is that because I was formed as a young person within this tradition, that it has had remarkable implications for me even now. Change is as real and prevalent as love. And if I can see God working within love, then certainly I can see God working within change. And I think it is one of the most beautiful aspects of Quakerism that we know and understand God via our life experience. This idea of knowing experimentally means that we know God via our experiments, our failings, and the relentless reality of change. This core tenet of our expression of faith means that we carry the belief that God continues to speak into our evolving lives. And just maybe the continued revelation of God is leading us here and now, both as individuals and together as a Quaker community. So long as we are committed, we will be completely open to change as it is directed by our listening to the inward teacher. In this way, we see God in the changes we experience. Just maybe, we know God better by the changes we undergo. Clarissa recently told me about the importance of novelty in relationships. That it is good practice to work in novelty into our relationships as a way of exercising the muscle of navigating change, but also keeping our senses alive to what is unfolding to see the vibrancy and power in meeting newness in our lives. I think about what that means for faith communities like ours. What does it mean for us to actively foster novelty, to lean into the vibrancy of change for us? I don't think this is just a fun question for us to explore, but a vital one. 
I think some of us have been a part of faith communities or have or have departed faith communities that became toxic because of their inabilities to be nimble and open to the potential of change. And I think we do that every Sunday we gather and in so many other ways already, but there is power in naming them. While I know that it can be unnerving to gather in the spirit of experimentation on Sunday mornings, it should also be framed as a wholehearted commitment to the possibility of divine guidance and an upending of our plans for something else. I think about things like our untalent show. We gather for that knowing that what makes it fun is that we don't know what is coming. It is the anticipation wrapped up in uncertainty, but a trust that we are all committed to each other's well-being and happiness. So I don't know if I'm ready to put a name tag on God that reads change, but I am certainly honing my devotion to communing with God with the wild and beautiful possibilities of change. Here's some queries for our time of open worship. What has been your relationship with change? When you think about the possibilities available to us as West Hills friends, when we commit ourselves to the unpredictable territory God may lead us, how does that make you feel? How are you fostering novelty in your life? What does that look like for you? Hey, thanks for listening to our podcast. We're really happy that so many of you are finding it to be helpful and as a way to stay connected with what's going on with us here at West Hills Friends. If you'd like to stay connected with us in other ways, we have a couple options for you. You can check out our website. It's westhillsfriends.org. There you'll find some more information about who we are as a community. You can also follow us on Facebook. We have a Facebook account by just searching for West Hills Friends. You can also follow us on Instagram. We have a Instagram account with the name West Hills Friends. So we hope that you'll get connected with us in other ways. And again, thanks for taking the time to listen to this podcast.